0: That's exciting. You wipe your hands on your pants after you pick up an earthworm, Seventh Generation is like, don't worry, hug a dirty tree, huff some bark, it's good for you. That is the power of Seventh Generation. Find laundry detergent and other laundry products at SeventhGeneration.com. I love worms. So I have four nieces and nephews, and I was talking to my sister about IXL. And IXL Learning is this fun online program for kids, and it covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. My sister and my nephew love it. The way it works is it's powered by AI, so IXL gives the right help to each kid, and IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Maybe you've been looking into private tutoring, but it's out of the budget, or this is a big school year for your kiddo. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Ologies listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Ologies. So visit IXL.com slash Ologies to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Oh, hey, it's your neighbor who exercises in denim, Allie Ward, back with an episode of Ologies. That was very challenging to make, both technically and emotionally, but it's here, and I'm so glad we finished it. So this past Saturday, the king of Los Angeles, the animal of our eye, bid farewell and left his niche empty. And you maybe saw a headline about a mountain lion in LA, or you wondered why P-22 was trending on Twitter. So we here at Ologies scrambled to put together this week's urgent and really heartfelt celebration of the story of his life and the specific events that led to his death. So P-22 was a puma. Those are also called mountain lions, cougars, ghost cats, great name. And since his discovery in 2012, He has been in news headlines as like an L.A. and a national treasure, but recently he'd been showing some unusual behavior, including attacks on dogs and local residents. We will get into it later. And this week, he died. So we'll discuss exactly what went down with two experts who have known and loved him for years. But first, I wanted to talk to some non-experts, just regular folks, the day after his death. So it's Sunday, December 18th, 2022. It's 49 degrees, which in LA is almost a state of emergency. It's a cold, inky night. There's no moon. And it's one of the longest and darkest days of the year. And we are a city in mourning. I wanted to hear how other Angelenos were handling the death of America's favorite wildcat. So I went to the Silver Lake area of L.A. where P-22 spent some of its last days. And I just stood in front of a grocery store, kind of like one of those people with clipboards. But instead, I just had a hot mic and a lot of social anxiety. Hi, can I ask you a question? It's for a science podcast. Uh, to make, I literally have dinner. Don't even I'm worry sure about it. Or I totally will. no. It was about P twenty two. Just wondering oh, how people are feeling. So sad. Right? Yes. Okay. Really sad. Can I ask you a question for a science podcast? Oh um, no. Can I ask you guys um, a question for a science podcast? It's pretty quick. Sorry,
1: we don't have time. That's cool.
0: <laughs> Ouch. I think I got to talk to drunk people. So I headed to Franklin Avenue, this strip of sidewalk that's usually bustling with improv comedians and couples on bumble dates and Scientologists. So as you can imagine, uh, these folks tend to be more extroverted. Yeah, so P-22 did mean something it to you. It certainly did. My name is Casey Shaw, Casey James Shaw. Okay. Instagram, Casey James Shaw underscore acts. Thank you.
1: Or just Casey James Shaw on Facebook. I appreciate However, that. However, Casey Shaw, the man you're listening to at this moment has been a huge hiker in Griffith Park for the last four years. Ah. And it's always been a huge legend that P-22 is out there. The one mountain lion that's out there, knowing that he's dead sucks because, you know, it's a death of a legend. The legend died and I, for one, am grieving. Just rest in peace to the beautiful mountain lion. I used to call him Petey because I think that's better than P-22.
0: I miss him already. Just a side note, so a few years ago, a local public radio station ran a poll to rename this cougar, offering alternatives such as Felix, uh, Pounce de Leon, and Puma Thurman. And the name that won on a landslide? P-22. Because no one needs to rename C-3PO Jeremy or anything. P-22's great. Definitely, it's easier with drunk people. Kind of an, an end of an era. Um,
1: yeah. Sad. Your sweet, maybe.
0: I was just asking locals how they feel about P22. Uh, heartbroken. Yeah. Heartbroken. Heartbroken.
2: Yeah, um,
1: it's interesting. I saw him not um, not too long ago. Maybe uh, gosh, I saw him walking out of the driveway. I was walking with my dog at maybe two in the morning. We had to go, and um, so I saw him coming out of that driveway, and he was so beautiful. But then it was really scary. I had to that my dog and leave. But it's just heartbreaking. Just sad. It's really sad.
0: One guy I talked to on Sunday had just moved from Manhattan and recollected first hearing about P twenty two.
1: I think I was impressed. Yeah. I was like, cool. I've seen like when I see a coyote I'm like, oh, I get really excited. And the fact that I might see a mountain line is exciting to me it is yeah
0: it is i do have some bad news he did pass away yesterday Fuck. i know i'm so i was like oh, i don't want to tell him I went on a whole roller coaster <gasps> I, like, I, know. No, no existed. <laughs> I know i'm oh, really my. sorry that i had to break that news to you. it's
1: okay we'll take it i mean yes. she didn't even Uh-oh. know you're you gonna go look, yeah. yeah. go
0: look him up go look him up did p22 affect uh how you saw wildlife in la Yeah, I mean, when I saw P22, it was from that Natural History Museum exhibit. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so cool that they can like get information and like the fact that he was around for so long and they were able to like get all this data. Yeah, it's really cool. So let's talk with two of the folks who have worked with P22 the longest. So Miguel is the wildlife biologist and the community science manager at the Natural History Museum of LA County. And he is an expert on camera traps and urban wildlife and is directly responsible for the discovery of this beloved cougar. And we'll hear all about his personal experiences as well as what led to the cat's death this week. And Beth Pratt is the regional executive director Uh, for California at the National Wildlife Federation, and also leads the nonprofit SaveLACougars.org, which campaigns to help save this population of mountain lions from extinction. And she wrote a book called When Mountain Lions Are Neighbors, People and Wildlife working it out in California, and she gave a TED Talk about P22 called How a Lonely Cougar in Los Angeles Inspired the World, and I called her up on Sunday about 24 hours after he died, and we just chatted on the phone. She was in a parking lot, and given the circumstances and the rush, the audio isn't usual. ologies audio on either of the interviews, but it's plenty fine, and the content is well worth it. So stretch out in the sun and get ready for data, discoveries, wilderness, freeways, legacies, and more to celebrate the life and understand the death of the wild cougar that captivated the world. P-22.
2: Yeah, it's Beth Pratt and
0: she, her. I absolutely hate that I'm talking to you under these circumstances, but I'm glad I'm getting a chance to chat.
2: Yeah, it's uh. It's been a tough well, it's been a, a tough few weeks, but especially the last couple of days. and it's also been hard. you know i I have had animals my whole life. I've had to put way too many down, as we all know who have animals, a big grieving process with that. but this is so difficult because I'm trying to grieve this animal I've loved for a decade. Uh, he's he's my longest serious relationship. Um, but I also have to be this public spokesperson for him. so it's been really. Tough having to do my job in some respects, but also grieve, and uh, you know, but that entails crying on CNN, right? But that's okay. That's the way to honor him. So thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) There's people across the world who are feeling that pain and feeling this loss too, and I think that there might be some people maybe who don't live in LA who are like, why am I seeing? What is P22? Is this a is this a new (laughs) Xbox game? And I thought maybe we could go back a little bit and learn a little bit more about his history. And,
2: you know, for you, when did you hop into P-22's journey? It's a good question. And I agree. It, I mean, part of what's helped with the grieving process, I think is, you know, again, often when you have to put down a pet, you're grieving that the world isn't grieving with you. And that's been wonderful. I mean, I got back from a full day yesterday and there's P22 trending on Twitter. I think it is the first time in history a mountain lion has trended on Twitter <laughs> Uh, you know, part of me thinks he would really like that. But I came into the p 2 story almost at the beginning. Uh, he was discovered uh, by M- Miguel Ordiana, who is a good friend now. I think P-22 has brought so many of us together that we're kind of family who have been working to, for his protection. But he was discovered in February of 2012 um, by remote camera, right? These are ghost cats. They're really good at staying hidden. So the technologies like cameras and, and more recently ring cameras really help us discover not just mountain lions, but what wildlife's out there. And on that camera was what we call the famous puma butt uh, photo, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. where that was actually p uh, P22 made his entrance into the world uh, a little, uh, not perhaps the most graceful way, which is uh, <laughs> a, a photo of his butt. Uh, but, <laughs> but for Miguel, you know, they were doing a study with friends of Griffith park just to see what wildlife was in Griffith park and, and get some data on it. And um, what was just wonderful about that was, of course, nobody expected to see a mountain lion.
0: So let's meet Miguel. He was gracious enough to get on the phone from his desk at the Natural History Museum of L.A. County on a Sunday, the day after P-22's death.
1: My name is Miguel Arrugiana, and he, him.
0: I was introduced to you by friends in the Nerd Brigade, and you were like a legend. Like, that's the P-22 guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's how I was introduced to you from across the museum. You have been studying this animal for, for years. How long has P22 been in your life?
1: He's been in my life since I discovered the first images of him in 2012. And it's just, even saying that is, is, is still hard. Even a day later after his passing, um, Yeah, he's been such a big part of my life and and because even after that discovery of his image and me sharing that with a lot of people and then that famous photo getting out there of him in front of the Hollywood sign, getting out to the world and just capturing everybody's imagination, I've been photographing him since then consistently in Griffith Park for the past decade. And the motivation for that is just, I love uh, that's I mean that's kind of the tool of my my trade is camera traps for research on carnivores, but it's also a hobby as well. It's just a lot of fun. But in this case, I I was very committed to it because of him and because I felt like there was this need to kind of get continuous visuals of him, which is hopefully fill in some some gaps here and there about how he's doing that. His GPS collar, which gets his locations, isn't always getting. And so I hope a lot of people as well valued just getting photos of him regularly and seeing him and through these beautiful images. He's just a really charismatic subject as far as something to photograph. He's just a beautiful animal. And even people that study mountain lions, just always kind of looking at mountain lion images, acknowledge that he's just a really handsome cat.
0: It's no joke. After this discovery, the media dubbed him the Brad Pitt of Pumas. And I get it. I mean, this mountain lion was just blessed. Golden fur, amber eyes, and symmetrical features typically only available through TikTok filters or surgery. So imagine if a native tiger crossed the Hudson River to live in Central Park but also happened to be weirdly gorgeous. So when images went around of this cat papped on a ridge above this twinkling cityscape of LA, people took notice.
2: I'm literally obsessed with
0: you. And not just the nature nerds,
1: everyone. So it was just a really, really great for that reason as well, I mean, including people in my own family that never considered wildlife as something important or something even living amongst them them or in the city it's just changed people's lives and people's perspectives and it's just been an amazing journey and just to see the floods of emotions and and responses after the announcement was made that he was compassionately euthanized has just been overwhelming it's it's uh partially sad uh, just to be constantly getting reminded uh every second of the day for the past few days by texts and and social media posts and phone calls. And I've had fans and family that, to be honest, like I haven't heard from in years. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden I get these texts and messages and just to know that this is just a very unifying moment.
0: So let's celebrate how rare his story was. There is a puma, a lion in the middle of Los Angeles is not something to be at all understated. Right.
2: Right. And you can, I mean, you can think of it as central park. I mean, cause it, I think the, the comparison of central park it is it is centrally located in the city as central park. So, you know, this is not the outskirts of LA. This is smack dab in the middle of LA. The, the Griffith Observatory is there. The Hollywood sign is there. It's freeways on three sides and Hollywood Boulevard on the South side. Um, So, yeah, this is a a mountain lion taking up residence in a very, very urban area, but it is bigger than Central Park. It is, I think, the largest urban park with wilderness. So even though you have all those things and you have, you know, Brad Pitt and other movie stars like Alan Ruck, who had a a P-22 sighting, which I love. I used it in the, the eulogy because he, he emailed me saying, I was on my deck and saw P-22 and said, hey, P-22, like you would to a celebrity, right? And, you know, it is a really urban park. But having said that, it was uh, had enough wildness in it where he could retreat and where there were enough deer that he could survive there, uh, even w- amongst all these people. So this lion
0: was discovered
2: via Miguel's camera trap images. So yeah, that first story goes up. It was kind of like he was a local hero. Uh, at that point, the headline was even didn't even say P-22. It was Mount Line Makes a Home in Griffith Park. I read about it. I didn't believe it. Called up Jeff Sickich, who was mentioned in the article. He was the National Park Service Biologist who studies and, and who collared P-22. You know, I even expressed my disbelief on the phone. Like, are you sure? And <laughs> mm. But he was so gracious. He's now a very good friend and uh, took me out for the day. We're walking around Griffith Park and I'm like, what the hell? Are you serious? There's a mountain line here? There's people on their bikes and playing golf and there's the Hollywood sign. But it, it really was a life-changing moment for me who had been spent most of my career uh, in places like Yellowstone and Yosemite. I live outside Yosemite and worked there for a decade. It really had made me question myself, the initial resistance to, well, this cat shouldn't be here. But then literally at the end of the day, I'm like, of course he should. I mean, this is his only way of surviving. Cut to
0: 10 years later and Beth leads SaveLACougars.org, which has been working this whole time to help fund and build a wildlife crossing over this massive stretch of freeway to help all kinds of critters, including pumas.
2: So that's how I, I came to P-22. He had me in hello, just standing in that park and looking at a freeway that surrounded it and just realizing that this cat had, that, the, you know, he was doing everything he could to survive in the most challenging of circumstances. But and we needed to do something to help him and, and his relatives, so.
0: And how long do they think pumas have been living in Southern California? You know, this is their <laughs> natural habitat, but how long do, have they been roaming around eating deer and bunnies and such?
2: They've been hanging on since, you know, the last ice age and even outlasted saber-toothed cats, which they coexisted with. You know, for me, it's a testament to their survival skills that they have hung on despite all these freeways we put in, despite all this development and roaching their habitat, despite every challenge we've thrown at them, like they're still there.
0: Okay. So if you live in LA, every few months you might get a relative from another state Sending you a link to a national news story about P22, like the time in 2016 when circumstantial evidence pointed to this mountain lion leaping over a nine foot razor wire fence at the nearby LA zoo and eating an elderly koala named Killarney. Now, typically, this would be a crime punishable by death, but the LA zoo, situated within Griffith Park, essentially said, "Like, eh, It's P22. You know, mountain lions the Wheel Mountain Lion. And he was fully acquitted, got away with it. And another year, my dad sent me an early morning text alerting me that P-22 was stationed in a crawl space under some house, and even a tennis ball gun and a beanbag launcher wouldn't spook him away. And LA is giant, but my dad wanted to know if this was close to where I lived. And I had to tell him, uh, yeah, actually, dad, that line is like four blocks away. It was just up the street. It literally was, which was so thrilling for me. But yes, even the media and the tabloids were kind to P-22.
1: Should residents be concerned that there's a mountain lion loose in their neighborhood? Fish and Wildlife says no. They say that P22 is loose in this neighborhood all the time and that they've never had a report of any humans having issues with P22. Reporting uh, from Los Feliz tonight, Alex Michaelson, ABC7.
0: What is typically the range of this species of puma? How far from their birthplace do they typically wander? And why was it so staggering to see that first image of him realizing that he was walking among the hills of the Hollywood sign and strolling down Sunset Boulevard and inhabiting Griffith Park?
1: Yeah, typically a male mountain lion, when it reaches adult age, about year and a half, two years old, the mom basically kicks him out. <laughs> it's just <laughs> too big of a kid to be feeding anymore, especially with limited resources around and in a place like a f- fragmented ecosystem, like the Santa Monica Mountains, they got to find their own food and territory, but also an area where they don't think a large male already occupies. And if they run into a male in that territory, they'll keep moving on. And so that journey can be long. It's called dispersal. But what's unique about his journey is just kind of the context of it, right? Like he was born in the Western Santa Monica Mountains and. A situation where there's a lot of mountain lions just fighting over space um, because they're basically surrounded on all sides by these really formidable barriers. On the north of the Santa Monica, it's the one hundred and one freeway. To the south, it's the Pacific Ocean, and to the east is which is where P twenty two went is the four hundred five freeway as one of the first barriers. And so, because of this kind of hyper territoriality, lack of space and um, their solitary nature they just don't want to be around each other especially males Mm -hmm. In in more open spaces where there's a lot of space to go around they'll tolerate a few males but in this case they're so territorial Mm -hmm. that they're killing off not only females but they're also killing off their own offspring Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. natural to kill the offspring of other individuals and males to try and get females in estrus and things like that And, and and removed competitors, but your own offspring. I mean, that's that's just another level there. And I mean, the other option, um, if you don't want to fight that large male that already occupies that territory is to leave, which is really a hard ask when you have to cross 10 lane freeways like mm-hmm. B-22 did. And two other mountain lions tried to do that I and mean, then one after that or a couple after that. And the first two got killed immediately on the 405 freeway. So he did something just by stepping foot across, or, successfully crossing the 405, that was something that was unprecedented. And then the rest of his journey from there was was just kind of just writing the history books, basically. Mm-hmm. Every step he made, crossing through Beverly Hills, Bel Air, all this 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 little strip of green space that connected the 405 all the way to the 101 freeway, which is called the Cahuenga Pass. And then he crossed that freeway, the 101 freeway, That separates the rest of Santa Monica Mountains from Griffith Park, which is where you ended up.
0: Just a side note for anyone who lives on the part of Earth that's not LA. So the 405 is the Voldemort of transportation. Just saying its name raises hackles. It'll curl your shoulders with dread. It is the busiest and most congested freeway in the US, boasts its own Wikipedia page. Now the term Carmageddon was inspired by our 405, the 405. Also, if you're wondering why Southern Californians use the the, I, I was curious also, and I had to look this up. And apparently freeways like really got their start down here. And they used to have this really whack numbering system that always changed. So people would just say just the San Diego freeway or the Hollywood freeway, just for clarity. And when they cleaned up the naming system in the seventies, each highway finally got its own number, but the the was hard to shake. It stuck around. Hence, The 101, the 10. And just a little fun trivia. So in LA, we're all fans of the Dodgers, right? But the Dodgers were known in the late 1800s as the Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers because New Yorkers had to dodge subway cars on their way to work just to make it there alive. People were dying all the time in Brooklyn from the trolley. But the team, the Dodgers, headed west in the late 1950s, but the name stuck. And as it all comes around, P22 was not just the city mascot but a true dodger in the literal sense.
1: That journey in itself already kind of made him legendary. But then mm-hmm. even scientists thought, Hey, like, he's probably just going to be there a little while and probably try and move back or move somewhere else or get cornered and hit by a car or try to cross the street and get hit by a car. And instead what he did was he blew up people's minds again by yeah. coexisting with people for years. And keeping themselves eating just the same things. Um, other mountain lions would eat um, in the more natural, open, larger open spaces, like deer, primarily then coyotes and raccoons. And so he wasn't changing. He was showing that there is this opportunity to coexist with these animals if you give them just a little bit of connectivity and the resources that they need. These mountain lions have been here and survived the Ice age extinction. And so they have a long history here. They're the only big cat to survive the Ice Age extinction. It's because of their adaptability.
0: So that was around 11,000 years ago, during a period that led to the extinction of megafauna, like giant ground sloths and mastodons and mammoths and 400-pound beavers. But the mountain lions survived.
1: They can live in all types of habitat types, from wetlands to deserts to mountainous areas, to some extent, urban areas, and they eat a lot of different things. And so unlike uh, those other big cats that went extinct, like the saber-toothed cat. And so to see that I we've kind of been selfish enough to uh, finally be their kryptonite is heartbreaking and it's shameful for me. And the fact that knowing that he kind of sealed his fate, as soon as he stepped foot on that 405, and that was our fault is really hard to swallow and when I had that conversation with my daughter to explain the situation to her about how he's probably not going to make it. And, um, and that like we kind of failed him. Um, and a lot of other mountain lions, a lot of other species that are not doing well. And he's a really prime example of that, which is sad for him, but I think he, he left an incredible legacy, like the wildlife crossing that, just broke ground this past April, and also changing people's minds about human-wildlife coexistence and why it's okay and important to have animals like predators, even though they're sometimes controversial in our ecosystems.
0: And you know, LA, we all know LA has millions of people. What's the population of mountain lions that we know of or that we can estimate?
1: Well, I mean, we can kind of estimate at least within the Santa Monica Mountains and maybe a little bit of the Simi Hills. It's like 10 to 15, and that includes kittens that usually don't survive a given year. And there's some mountain lions that are collared, some that are uncollared that have yet to be discovered because they're such elusive species. Um, So that's usually the estimate we throw around for the Santa Monica Mountains. And there's much more in the San Gabriel Mountains. Nobody's ever studied Mountain lions in the San Gabriels, so that's just a really kind of interesting mystery there. But yeah, that's kind of important to note that, like, yes, ten to fifteen, and and then think about that—that that really finite small number—and then throw in all these urban dangers like rat poison exposure, freeways, inbreeding, depression. Throwing all of that into the mix really creates a recipe for extinction. And that's kind of what they're facing in the next 50 years if connectivity is not improved and that we don't do better about coexisting with them and not putting rat poison out there and being more tolerant of them in our open spaces.
0: Miguel says that he's proud of the way that L.A. is tolerant of its wildlife. And one way that we can give back to them is just letting them roam naturally. And since scientists began tracking Santa Monica mountain lions in the last two decades, over a dozen have been killed crossing freeways. In Europe, and Canada, they have gotten hip to wildlife crossings, but LA is in need. And via Miguel and state and federal agencies and all of Beth's work with SaveLACougars.org, enough money was finally raised for the Wallace Annenberg Wildlife Crossing in Agora Hills over the 101 freeway. And they just broke ground a few months ago while P-22 is still alive. And P-22 was a major factor in raising the $90 million it's taking to build. Those wildlife corridors are so huge and such a giant step. And it makes me wonder, how many miles or kilometers does a mountain lion this size typically walk a day in their range? And was P-22, was he able to do that in Griffith Park?
1: So yeah, usually the territory size for a large male is 200 square miles and um, they use all of it. They patrol their territory and unfortunately Griffith Park is big. It's one of the biggest city parks in the country, but it's only eight to nine square miles and nine if you include the neighboring properties like the cemetery, the Forest Lawn Cemetery, Warner Brothers Studios that go right up against the, the park that also have open space. And Within that is a bunch of disturbed habitat, like the cemetery plots and obviously the property of the Warner Brothers has, has a lot of different use. And within Griffith Park itself, there's golf courses, there's the Greek theater, there's public city buildings, all types of stuff. Used to be pony rides and train rides. And now there's this mountain lion trying to not only s- survive in the smallest territory ever recorded for a mountain lion, but coexist with all this disturbance and so i think it's just amazing And all these interior roads that they have a mph of 25 miles an hour but people go 50 60 miles an hour on these roads and so it's just remarkable that he's able to survive despite all that and our kind of selfish use of the park in my opinion in a lot of ways
0: So just a side note here, Griffith Park is named after Colonel Griffith Jenkins Griffith, who was not actually a colonel at all, but a guy who got rich in the mining industry and he owned the land as an ostrich farm. But he would only visit during the day because of ghost stories involving cursed previous owners. So in the 1890s, he was like, Los Angeles, I would like to give you a giant piece of wilderness, saying, quote, it must be made a place of rest and relaxation for the masses, a resort for the rank and file, for the plain people. L.A. was like, oh, wow, thanks, Griffith J. Griffith. We'll name it after you. And a few years later, Griffith J. Griffith shot his wife in the face, and she survived and was thankfully granted a divorce. And Griffith J. Griffith, he was sent to San Quentin, but he got out after two years, and he was like, L.A., I'm back and I want to give you some more dollars. Let's build a Greek theater and observatory on this land. And L.A. was like, "Uh, we're good, dude. No, thank you. You shot your wife in the face. Big yikes. And we are good with the haunted ostrich farm you gave us. Go ahead and keep your money. But Griffith J. Griffith got the last laugh because he left his fortune to the city in his will. And now we have 4,300 acres of playgrounds and trails and a Greek theater and an observatory wilderness and rattlesnakes and coyotes and lizards. And I love it.
1: What I will say also is because it's so small, he can get from one side to the other in a couple hours wow. or maybe even less than that in search of deer and in search of refuge. And I think he can be at any place at any given time, which is kind of adds to that wonder, right? Like when, mm-hmm. when someone goes on a hike that next morning, like he could literally be just feet away from you, just blending into the dry brush, taking a rest and and trying to stay out of sight. Or he could just be on the totally the opposite side of the park in the most rugged, remote canyon uh, amongst a bunch of poison oak. So I think that's always something that hopefully inspired people to, to think about this park differently. And, and it's definitely made me think about it differently. And especially as a kid that grew up right outside the park and Went to it, and that was my connection to nature, my Yosemite. And that's where my mom taught me how to play catch. And we had barbecues, we'd hike to the Hollywood sign when we still could do that and bring our pollo local. And and my same cousins, who we just saw it as this place for recreation, hiking, and and adventure and exercise, now see it totally differently um, because I would take them on hikes. I would talk to them about P22. And it's and this the same park is just now this magical place.
0: So Griffith Park is this important space in this giant city, but let's go back to the moment this all started and why Miguel is the P-22 guy. I've always wanted to hear this story and now seems like the best time to celebrate this piece of history. That first photo that ushered in this era of P-22, I feel like, what was it like for you that moment when you realized that you knew a secret that no one else in the world but you and this lion knew, (laughs) you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, it was life-changing and I can vividly, I have a bad memory to be honest, but that is something I vividly remember. I remember how hot it was in my apartment. I remember my computer, my desk looked like, and the fact that I had no shoes on and (laughs) all these types of things because that was just such an amazing moment to me. And I mean, obviously the birth of my children and my getting married and meeting my wife and all those other things that um, are at the top of the list are definitely there as well. But um, this was just one of those moments. And I mean, I can like, I'll, I'll describe it. So I was out in the field that day, checking on cameras that had set out as part of the Griffith Park Connectivity Study, which was this grassroots project. And that's another aspect of this story that just so crazy that this project almost didn't happen that discovered P22. And it was just this passion project of mine and that I was able to recruit two other biologists and a friends group in the Griffith Park was able to support. And then to say, hey, like I'm Miguel, I'm a biologist. I'm really passionate about this park. It means a lot to me. And now that I have this training, I know that there's a lot that has been understudied in this park and taken for granted. And people listen and we scraped up whatever we could. I would work on weekends. I had a full-time job at the Forest Service at the time. I would go after work and rent an apartment um, right on the edge of Griffith Park. and would do this uh, on my free time and, and set up cameras. We came together as a team to, to design this study and put these cameras out on potential corridors and the edges of the park in the hopes of proving that Griffith Park is not an island and this, this ecosystem that has hope and that people should see as a r- urban wildlife oasis. And so I put this camera out. We had already started getting Images of deer crossing over the freeway using freeway overpasses, going through equestrian tunnels, and then going up to this favorite camera spot that had a great view of the sky right over um, the 101 freeway and right on top of the Ford Amphitheater. This ridge line, where like, if you live in LA, there's this big illuminated white cross mm-hmm. that people see, it was right next to that cross. That was where the camera was. And I was going there just to get some, hopefully, some bobcat photos. That was, that's still a cool animal, but the coolest animal <laughs> that was living there, in my opinion, at the time. And went scrambled back to my apartment, I'd always immediately check the SD cards for images. As soon as I got home, I was swe- a sweaty mess, and I would start scrolling through image after image. At first, it was, uh, as usual, a bunch of grass triggering my camera, and then <laughs> a bunch of a bunch of rabbits, and then deer, and Coyotes, which are cool. I still, I love coyotes, but it gets old after a while. Um, and then all of a sudden, this massive puma butt comes across my stomach. And I literally jumped out of my little rolling chair and wobbled a little bit, almost fell over. Um, I don't tell people about that clumsy aspect usually, but who cares, right? Um, as soon as I got my balance, I, I was like... What the hell, basically? And I scrolled back to some other images just to refresh my eyes because I knew that peep someone was walking their Great Dane quite often in front of that camera and neighboring cameras. And um, and so I thought maybe it's like I'm seeing things, it's been hot today. Maybe it's a Great Dane butt right against my my camera lens. And And it definitely wasn't. When I got back to it, it was obviously a puma because of the tail, the paws, the size of the animal, the colors, um, all of it. It was obvious a puma. I just had this information that I just immediately wanted to share with people. And then I started touching my pockets for my phone and realized that I left it in my car. And I was so upset about myself and was like, I just bolted. I ran out of my apartment barefoot, two blocks, two blocks away. I got lucky. I didn't step on some glass bottles or anything um, and went to my car, grabbed my phone, called my wife. She didn't pick up, but then my fiance. And uh, then I called the other two biologists. Both of them didn't pick up. I had this incredible like Bigfoot sighting, like, Experience that I wanted to share with somebody because I knew it was so important and so impactful. Just the fact that a puma made it there, and that, and be, and the reason for that is because when we were starting the study, people were like, "Why are you wasting your time and your your resources in that Griffith Park is just too isolated, too fragmented, and to some." Um, degree it is it is really not suitable for a mountain lion but people thought it was just this isolated place that a mountain lion would never reach and then all of a sudden there's this proof that not only is there connectivity for Griffith Park but it's it's somehow connected enough for the most space needy urban sensitive animal out here and mountain lion made it here and and that was thought of as an impossibility and so kind of the same as like how people think seeing Bigfoot or La Chupacabra is an impossibility mm-hmm. and people would send photos trying to kind of keep those rumors floating around and it would be say hey I found a mountain lion finally and it's their cat or their dog or <laughs> a coyote and finally we got this proof and I feel like this is just like so gratifying for me as somebody who Really saw a lot more in Griffith Park than the average person from a personal standpoint, and also then as a biologist. And so for th- for me to finally get that out there, and then that message immediately, as, as finally one of the biologists, Aaron Boyson, called me back, made me send her the image uh, to, so she could see it from her, for her own eyes, and then she passed it on to the National Park Service. Wow! And the Park Service then took it from there. They came out to Griffith Park place they really didn't have any research in before because there was no mountain lions there. And it was really far from where they worked in the rest of the Santa Monica mountains. And to the point where like they needed advice on where like to put a, a trap out for (laughs) a mountain lion. And so we, I knew and my colleague Aaron knew about some different properties in the park and they found a place near the reservoir in the park, Hollywood reservoir. They had some like moments where, coyotes got to the bait and took it away. And there's like these, what would flash through my head? Like, oh my God, that was the opportunity that we just lost. And this mountain lion is never gonna get captured, collared, we're not gonna learn anything from it. It's just gonna disappear or get killed on the freeway before we're able to learn anything from this incredible animal. And, but finally um, it was captured about three weeks later and collared and his genetics, connected him to the western Santa Monica Mountains. And 14 months later, that beautiful National Geographic image by Steve Winter uh, went viral and his story started reaching the world. And if you
0: haven't seen them, look up Steve Winter's photos of P-22. It took him over a year of finagling nocturnal camera traps and working with animal experts to get this one iconic shot of a cougar foregrounded in this halo of light with the Hollywood sign moonlit behind him. It won so many photojournalism prizes, and it really put urban wildlife in the spotlight.
1: And, I mean, I remember when he was still being looked for, and they're hoping to capture him, there are rumors floating around that because this is Griffith Park, because Griffith Park goes against the Hollywood Hills, that this was some exotic pet that escaped from some (laughs) movie star's mansion.
2: And that the genetics
1: (laughs) would prove that. And so I'm not going to name any names, but some people that would be embarrassed, we're we're really saying that. Um, And so that was incredible to know where he came from. He didn't come from the San Gabriel's or the Verdugo's or some weird inbred lion that someone had as a pet. It was from, yeah, the West Santa Monica mountains, confirming that he had this amazing journey. And then after that, we we're like, okay, yeah, we we'll learned learn hopefully a little bit about him before he dies, um, how he uses this really urban landscape. But it's too small. It's like a tiny fraction of the size a male mountain lion uses. So he's going to leave. He's going to bolt and get killed and whatever. So, but I was hoping like every photo I would get, like a video I would get, I cherished every single one of those. And now they probably count in the hundreds because I never knew which one was my last. Mm. And for me to have that feeling for the past 10 years was a gift um, that he that he gave me and, and a lot of people. Um, sorry. No, no,
0: I've been, Crying all day about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I'm just truly grateful. And I hope I can honor that and honor the people that also worked hard to get his message out there and, and do so much um, with his story.
0: Miguel says that P-22's journey mirrored his own grandparents who immigrated from Nicaragua to LA to find a better life for themselves and for their family. And like so many souls who moved to Hollywood as total unknowns, P-22 became a living legend. So in 2012, P-22 became the 22nd Puma, Collared and studied by the National Park Service, and it turns out that when they ran the genetics, his father was none other than P one Hollywood loves a nepo baby.
2: They are now up to one hundred and three cats that they have wow. tracked at twenty years. I know it's amazing. Now, not all those cats are still alive. Obviously, this is a twenty-year study, but you know, it, to me, it's also phenomenal. You know, it's not just P twenty-two in the greatest Santa Monica Mountains, but that they have studied one hundred and three cats. So that was February of 2012. It was, it was pretty amazing. I read that headline in the LA Times and I didn't believe it. I thought it was fake news. I was like, <laughs> there's no way there's a mountain lion in Griffith Park. <laughs> right. and, yeah. I mean, what? You know? that?
0: I mean. So it was big news. Oh, speaking of bigness. And what about the size of a mountain lion? When we think of a lion, I think probably most mm-hmm. of us think of an African lion, or maybe we've seen a lion at the zoo. How big do They get how big did P22 get? What's and what's their uh, well, I guess that's I, I'm i asking all my questions. I'm like, and how old are they and what are they like yeah. and what sign are they and how yeah, many babies are they? Have? Do the <laughs> fire? Sure.
2: Yeah, I think they're Aries. Like so many um, questions. <laughs> yeah. oh, actually, you no, know, they'd be Leo. Their sign is Leo,
0: obviously. Okay, so female pumas give birth anytime between May and October, but just a few weeks ago, news broke that one Puma, P99, gave birth to four cubs in late July. And folks, if it was between July 23rd and August 22nd, they are Leos. How big do they get and what's their typical diet? Do they prefer to take down a deer? Do they tend to live in prides?
2: Yeah. So all good questions. I mean, uh, first of all, yeah, I think their sign is Leo. Um, Their prey of choice is deer, mule deer. They evolved to hunt mule deer. Now, having said that, they're cats, and all of us who have cats know that uh, they are opportunistic predators and will take down anything (laughs) that moves uh, if the opportunity presents itself. I have indoor cats, and I'll tell you, a bug doesn't even make it, you know, that comes in the house. But P22 for, you know, the decade eats deer.
0: So I had to know, how many calories a day do mountain lions need? Well, about 8 to 10 pounds of meat and they just eat meat. So that translates to about 4,000 calories a day and about 50 deer a year. And I always thought that they were out just snacking on squirrels and stuff, but squirrels are only a pound each and catching a dozen squirrels a day would be exhausting.
2: Yeah, they're not big animals. They're, you know, P-22, 120, 130. They are kind of the size of a big Rottweiler. You know, they are not African lion size. In other areas, uh, I have seen, you know, uh, mountain lion weights get up to 180, but California, they they tend to stay a little leaner, mainly because we don't have elk and some of the other bigger ungulates, I think, but I'm just guessing on that.
0: And how long can a well-fed kitty live? Okay, well, house cats, their lifespan is between 12 to 18 years, but the world record for domestic longevity belongs to a Texas kitty cat named Cream Puff, who lived to be 38 years old and ate broccoli and eggs and turkey bacon and coffee with cream every day and a sip of red wine every few days. She also had a catio and a feline gym and a better life than me. Now, what about wild pumas?
2: I mean, P-22 is great grandpa. He was, you know, 12 years old is extremely old for a male mountain lion because usually they will get sort of displaced by a a male-seeking territory. So he was a a pretty old cat. He was definitely beyond his golden years, if you ask me.
0: (laughs) And, you know, you mentioned he was a great grandpa, but the great irony of that is he
2: probably wasn't, right? Technically speaking? Yeah, I know. You know, what's so sad to me is... You know, here's this cat that was just remarkable. I mean, just on, on every measure. I mean, that he, you know, wildlife for individuals. I, you know, I have a biology field undergrad and I'm a scientist. I consider myself a scientist, even though it's not my day job. But, you know, I'm also, I have to say, an animal rights person in some respects, you know animals are individuals. They have emotions and feelings. And, and I think what's great is science is catching up with proving that what all of us who had dogs and cats, you know, our whole lives knew. And, and P-22 is, is no exception. He is different than his counterparts in some respects. He has his own personality. Uh, not every cat would have strolled down Sunset Boulevard. (laughs) You know, I don't care how desperate, uh, not every cat would have made that journey, in fact, most of his mountain lion relatives in the Santa Monica Mountains don't make it successfully. Not every cat would have stayed in Griffith Park and just coexisted so so well for 10 years. So, And he's just got to, you know, he does have a, a certain measure of, I, I like to call it gumption or chuspa or uh, impersonal charm. He's a hard cat not to love, but although we celebrate him and we loved, you know, L.A. loves him and the world does. Look at what's happening these last few days, but He wasn't actually a happy ending because, yes, he is the poster cat for and why we use him for the poster cat for the Save LA Cougars campaign is this whole population that he's a part of is inbreeding themselves out of extinction. These freeways are trapping them because they can't escape into new territory and the new mountain lions outside of their family can't get to this this population that is south of the 101 so any cat that lives south of the 101 the only dates they have are you know ones um, in their family it's like you know if they're going on tinder you know they are looking at you know mates swiping and it's their their daughter and and great-granddaughter right so yeah icky right not one you want to pop up for you on tinder but that's their only choice so they're inbreeding themselves out of existence to the point where they're showing birth defects, which is like the warning bell. And that's what the National Park Service research showed. But P-22 is the ultimate example of that. He, he's the extreme example of how this impacts breeding. He can't even breed. He's never had a girlfriend. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think one of the reasons L.A. loves him so much is if you are an L.A. person, you know that that 405 divide impacts your dating life if, if you know, if, if you, if, yeah, it, it does. If, if you meet somebody and they live on the other side of the 405, it ain't happening. Uh, too much work. So, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my God. I lived in Eagle Rock and had a boyfriend that lived in Venice and I literally had to move downtown because yes! the commute yeah. to see each other was like two hours. And I was like, fine. Yeah. I'll move downtown, but yeah, no, that's real. It's like that's it's you might as well have a different passport.
2: Get all the four hundred and five, and so you can't take it anymore.
0: And you know, on that note, traffic is one of our biggest enemies, and I imagine that the biggest threat is vehicular deaths, right?
2: Yeah, actually, there's um a, a few things that are there. I think what I would I would sort of classify as their biggest threat is just this human interface, which breaks down into a few areas. One is It's both death, but also the isolation caused by the, you know, the freeways. Where we're we're putting the Wallace Annenberg Wildlife Crossing, we actually don't get a lot of roadkill because the barrier is so big; they don't even try. And we know this Mm. from GPS points. They come up to the freeway and they turn around because they're like, "No way! (laughs) I am not trying that." I've stood on the 101 freeway at 2 a.m. and I wouldn't even do it. It's that bad. But yes, most male mountain lions past age two do not make it because they're the ones, you know, the males are the ones that that try to seek out new territory and most of them get hit by cars. And so that is, you know, that P-22 made that journey, not just crossing those two freeways, but that he evaded cars successfully, you know, obviously with some wits for so long, yet it seems like now it was really that... A vehicle strike probably you know he wasn't in, in his right mind he's in pain uh that doomed him in the end is you know it's really hard it's really hard to know that that there we here we are even trying to solve the problem but we were too late for him and uh i will forever feel terrible about that
0: so we'll hear the specifics about what exactly brought him down after the break but first every episode we donate to a cause of the ologist's choosing and this week it's going of course to savelacougars.org which is leading the charge to promote habitat connectivity and continuing p22's legacy so learn more at savelacougars.org and that donation was made possible by sponsors of the show squarespace.com slash ologies to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. I recommend it to all my friends, even when I'm not recording an ad. Okay. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we're all carrying around just a backpack of stressors and sadnesses. When we keep them all zipped up and the load gets heavier, it can start to affect us negatively. You start to feel misunderstood, sad, resentful. A safe place to unpack that is, you guessed it, no drama. So unburden yourself and trauma dump onto someone who's trained for this. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ologies today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ologies. This episode is brought to you by Merrick Pet Care. And y'all know I have a little dog named Grammy, which is short for Gremlin. And y'all help me name her And there's nothing that we like more than seeing her happy, which means tasty dog foods. And Merrick has been crafting high-quality dog food for over 30 years. They were founded in Hereford, Texas, but Grammy doesn't care about that. She cares about smushing her face in it and then licking the bowl. And I don't blame her because they use real ingredients and home-style recipes like real Texas beef and sweet potato or Grammy's pot pie. Grammy's like, Grammy's pot pie. Get away from it. It's mine. I also like that on the bag, they show what's in it, and they always use deboned meat, fish, or poultry as the number one ingredient. And I think Grammy appreciates that. So check out Merrick online or in your local pet store and look for their new packaging with real ingredients shown on the bag and inside it. Yum, 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 yum. You know what's essential to science? It's not a lab coat, it's skepticism. You know me, I'm down rabbit holes. I'm looking at charts. I'm checking conflicts of interest at the bottom of published papers. And this is helpful because it means I don't buy stuff I don't need. And if you're one of me that can spot a too good to be true health hack from like a mile away and you read labels like it's your job, congrats, you're a skeptic. One brand of vitamins that is literally made for us is called Ritual. It's a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. They have clinically backed essential for women 18 plus. It has high quality traceable ingredients. They're in clean, bioavailable forms they're also a certified b corp female founded just today one of my powerhouse friends was like "Ah, found out i'm vitamin d deficient i was like yo ritual dude when i forget my multivitamins there's much less pep in my step i have noticed they're also very beautiful. They look like tiny lava lamps with little tiny beads in them. There's actually a scientific reason for this, but I got to wrap it up. So no more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com ologies. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com ologies for 25% off. Get that D. So let's get to the most recent era of his life and recent developments with this late and great cougar. Did your research or your encounters with him change when technology started changing, when everyone started having a Ring doorbell camera?
1: That's a good question. It definitely got very popular and affordable, I would argue, in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's a really interesting overlap that I really didn't think about. I always knew impact of security cameras in general, but that timing of the invention of that technology or popularity of that technology is an interesting thing to to talk about. And how I've always framed that is that it's kind of a positive and a negative with those security cameras, because depending on your perception and those, those security images are stoking fear and giving you this misconception of how... Wildlife are using urban areas, and people thought, thought all of a sudden, oh, my God, all these animals are starting to move into the city and use the city differently. No, it's just that you now have a camera, and mm-hmm. these animals are doing that this whole time and have been coexisting with us without incident, but just now you're seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope people, most people that have that technology, which I've also witnessed, are taking it the other way and using it to connect with wildlife and appreciate wildlife and be inspired to conserve those same animals that are walking through their backyard or or in front of their their house on the street. And it's a privilege. I have a video of a friend of mine that's also a board member on Friends of Griffith Park that was during the lockdown period. um, She had (laughs) not even a, a Nest or one of those Ring doorbell cameras but like one of those nanny cams that I use on my own kids. Um, in their house pointed towards their French doors, that just two glass doors. If you don't know what a French door I just learned mm-hmm. what the French door was. The glass doors that opened into their yard and it was right against the door. And she was working, typing away one night, and all of a sudden P twenty two walked right against that door and passed by. Good evening. Wow. And I mean a lot of people and some other cases would be like, Oh my god, call the authorities, get this animal out of here, it's dangerous. It's trying to attack me, but instead she's, she was so proud of that moment. She shared the, the video with all her friends, including myself, immediately. She did some slow-mo and animation in the video and was just so excited about it. And that's the, the sentiment that I'm, I'm excited about when, when people have these cameras, that they just feel more connected and there is no boundary that, that these animals understand. They don't understand property boundaries or street signs. They just go where they feel like it's where they need to go for safety, for food.
0: When did you have an indication that maybe his health wasn't doing great?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I would say it's been at least a year, if not more. It's hard for me to think about that. Because sometimes I would get videos of him, like with a little bit of a limp or a cut on his hindquarters or something. And that's typical. Um, That happens because they get injured killing the deer. Deer are much bigger than them and they have antlers and hooves and all that kind of stuff. And so you just monitor that and see that it heals. But about a year ago or maybe a little bit earlier than that, I saw indications that his fur was looking a little thin, especially in the front of his face and that was really scary because I got some of those first images of him, I think it was 2014 when he did definitely get mange and we confirmed was then connected to rat poison exposure. Mm. And he nearly died from that situation. And in that case, it was a really clear case of mange. He looked really bad, spotty fur, lesions all over the place, no hairs. His tail looked like a pipe cleaner.
0: So that was in 2014. But when they saw more recent images of P22 with mange, Megal wasn't as concerned. But wait, isn't mange a mite infestation on the skin? that causes those sores and crusting and hair loss? Yes, it is, in case you happen to know about mange. But the rat poison comes into play because rodenticides are anticoagulants. So exposure to it can really tax the immune systems of wild animals, and they can't fight those mites. And lately, P22 did have signs of mange.
1: But in this case, it wasn't as like intense. And so it was just a little spottiness. And I've been studying... Animals in LA for a long time. So I know what it looks like. Bobcats that I used to help study would get it. And so it's a really common thing, sadly. And anyway, when he got those signs, it was scary. And it seemed like there were moments where he seemed to be recovering a little bit. And even recently, I thought, oh man, he's he's gonna make it through. His fur looks a little bit better. He looks his weight looked decent, and there's evidence of him he killed deer. But yeah, I think yes, like those first ventures that he had out into the Silver Lake neighborhood really deep and further out than he'd ever gone before, that was alarming. But I thought when he did it the first time, I was like, okay, he just maybe really wanted to find a mate that particular night or something. <laughs> and so that's all that went through my head. But when he kept doing it over and over again, and he still had that mangy kind of look. I mean, that's when, like, I was like, uh-oh, this may go in a bad direction and may be the beginning of the end. But again, I was hoping that he'd recover from it. He's such a resilient animal that it wasn't never clear that he was just going totally downhill until, obviously, recently.
0: And biologists from the California Department of Wildlife and the National Park Service noticed that he was going into different neighborhoods and exhibiting un-P-22-like behavior. It's a little weird for him.
1: Right, like, going after chihuahuas that were on leash. And to some extent, I mean, that is still natural behavior. That's still not a sign of him being dangerous to people. But then that even escalated to the point where he was at least a little bit defensive of the chihuahua that he grabbed. So that seemed like that was an act of desperation. And it totally made sense for why the CDFW decided to do what they had to do. And and NPS as well, as they came together and made that really tough decision to capture him and do an evaluation.
0: In November, a dog walker was out with two pooches in the early evening hours and P-22 pounced on the smaller of the two without a sound and killed it. And the dog's owner was interviewed and said at the time, I don't want anything bad to happen to P-22. I just want people to be safe out there so that nothing like this happens again. The man's chihuahua was killed and he still cared about P22, but it did happen again a few weeks later in a different neighborhood. And this time the owner required dozens of stitches for their wounds. So wildlife officials tracked him last week to a backyard in Silver Lake near the Shakespeare Bridge if you're familiar, and The resident answered a knock at the door and they introduced themselves as wildlife people. And the resident blew them off saying that she was like on a work call and wasn't interested in donating. And I had to tell her, no ma'am, we're not fundraising door to door. You have a lion in your backyard. Can we come in? She was like, yeah, you may. So they used a blow dart tranquilizer and then they took P22 into the doctor on December
1: 12th. And obviously what's also very tragic is that They weren't able to capture him before he got hit by that car. The fact that he got hit as they were trying to capture him for an evaluation is sad because that's always going to be a what if in my head and a lot of other people's head is that if he did not get hit, was there some sort of path forward?
0: Yep. The day before his capture, an anonymous caller reported a late night collision with a mountain lion on this busy Los Feliz Boulevard near Griffith Park at Rowena. So, who else could it have been but P22? And yes, sure enough, data from his radio caller had pinged him right in that area on that night. And the medical evaluation revealed that P22 had recently suffered an injury to one eye and a fractured skull.
1: But. Now that I think of it and look at all the, the data from the veterinarians based on his kidney and I believe liver failure, it looked like he was his life was coming to an end either mm-hmm. way. As far as the timeline, who knows, maybe he would have had a couple of days or month or a few months, but he was in serious decline despite that vehicular collision, but that definitely put him over the edge, mm-hmm. which is really sad to think about, but... I'm glad that he got the best care in the world by San Diego Zoo Safari Park. I mean, I believe so much in, in that institution I, to the point where I, um, my wife and I got married there. Oh. And we know what they do. And I mean, it's just all these little coincidences make, make, my, make me emotional because the fact that he died right after they raised enough money for the Wildlife crossing and then them finding out that his final kind of place where he's getting world-class care was where my wife and I got married. And, wow. and then now him eventually going to be coming to the institution that I work at and benefiting research and conservation for many, many years to come through his data of, of his remains and we're already in talks with how to do that in, in the best way, the most equitable, and inclusive way. And they're going to start initial conversations with indigenous community members that want to do it right.
0: So P-22 will continue to be honored. Even in his life, he had his own festival every year in LA, held in Griffith Park in late October, drawing thousands of attendees. Tell me a little bit about P-22 Day that would happen (laughs) every year. And I know that you are well known. If you Google image search you, you will probably see a picture of Beth Pratt holding <laughs> a cardboard cutout of P22. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the visibility campaign that you wanted to launch and in his honor while he was still with us?
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's I have like I said, he's I think he's my true love. He's definitely the longest serious relationship I've ever had. And perhaps that we spent almost no time together, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's probably why that was successful. But to me, he was such a symbol. He was life changing for me in that, you know, twenty twelve time when I was with Jeff Sickich and in Griffith Park and you know, he's telling me about him. He was absolutely life-changing to me. And I, I knew that that was going to be the same for others, right? That, that he he stood for something. He, and he caused me to change my mind. A 30-year, you know, conservationist and scientist. For me, it's the imagination that changes minds. I mean, how many endangered species have gone extinct despite, you know, rings of scientific research? You had to have people people's imaginations and
0: minds change. So to add some psychom spice to the events, Beth will sometimes wear a radio collar just like mountain lions, so people can see what it looks like. But she always has a P twenty two portrait tattooed on her left bicep and a life size two dimensional cutout for photo ops, which has faked me out in so many people's pictures. I'm like, Ugh! and then I realize it's the cardboard cutout.
2: And so yeah, we started. I started using him for our Save Cougars campaign. I got this cutout, um, the P twenty two day, and it was. It was wondrous because what it also did is it connected all of us around our relationship to him. And one of the most important things in using him as our poster cad and doing all this social outreach was I took very seriously. It is not for me to tell people how to feel about P-22. It's for me to empower and uplift these different voices. You know, we have a hip hop artist from Watts who wrote a song about him. Great, we're going to use that. We have a muralist from from L.A., or two of them now, Corey Mattingly, L.A. Hope dealer, and then Jonathan Martinez, Art of the Endangers. We've been funding murals that they're doing. Um, We connect kids who write plays about them. Uh, You know, it's, I mean, I could go on and on, but in, in what's great is a lot of these people had never been interested in conservation or wildlife before. And as we saw, as we saw this week, he united us all who maybe never would have been united. We were at <laughs> Mohawk Bend, a very popular LA bar. It's one of my favorites with great food. And you know, we were there after uh, a little memorial service we'd done for him. And the manager comes over, shots on us. We're big P22 fans. They put Rest in Puma P22 on their marquee outside.
0: So Beth mentioned that inclusion and unity is a really important aspect of wildlife conservation, especially honoring indigenous voices and knowledge.
2: I want to give a huge shout out. So the Chumash is the land where we're putting the crossing. And Alan Salazar, we've been working with for years. He's an amazing human being. He's a Chumash storyteller. He has been at every P-22 day for a while. He does blessings. We, we're talking about how to do a bless, you know, have him obviously at the memorial service or at the celebration of life, what I'm calling it. Uh, he's written some books on wildlife. He's also on the wildlife crossing design team. So, you know, this really embedding that native indigenous wisdom into not just the storytelling, but also how we make this wildlife crossing recognize that.
1: We use animals as, as teachers uh, and, and it's very simple. If, if, if you watch long enough and you watch a deer, you watch the coyote, you watch mountain lions, if you're lucky enough to see one, um, you, you can learn many li- lessons that are important. You can learn life lessons that that will help you uh, survive. Uh, It's something that I believe very strongly in that as a culture we've gotten away from being observant. We have tunnel vision, we walk around looking at our cell phones, and we don't observe what's going on around us. And most tribal cultures believe that everyone, everything has its own power, its own gift. They're all teachers.
0: That was Alan Salazar, who has a huge role in the Wallace Annenberg Wildlife Crossing in Agora Hills, which already broke ground this year and should be completed in 2025.
2: And that's part of P-22's legacy, uniting us all, getting that wildlife crossing built. I mean, we would not have this wildlife crossing without him. I, you know, I wrote my eulogy. I don't know if another mountain going to walk down Sunset Boulevard, but he showed us one could. And... I think for L.A., that's pretty magical.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Beth says that that eulogy was understandably the hardest thing she's ever had to write, and it was drafted in a hotel room at 2 a.m. right after sitting with him, and she wrote, I'm so grateful I was given the opportunity to say goodbye to P-22. Although I have advocated for his protection for a decade, we had never met before. I sat near him, looking into his eyes for a few minutes, and told him he was a good boy. I told him how much I loved him, how much the world loved him, and I told him I was so sorry that we did not make the world a safer place for him. I apologized that despite all I and others who cared for him did, we failed him. I don't have any illusion that my presence or words comforted him, and I left with a great sadness I will carry for the rest of my days. Before I said goodbye, she continued, I sat in a conference room with team members from the California Department of Fish and Wildlife and the team of doctors at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. And they showed me a video of P22 CT scans, images of the results, and my despair grew as they outlined the list of serious health issues they had uncovered from all their testing. Stage two kidney failure, a weight of 90 pounds, he normally weighs about 125, head and eye trauma, a hernia causing abdominal organs to fill his chest cavity, an extensive case of parasitic skin infection, heart disease, and more. The most severe injuries resulted from him being hit by a car last week, and I thought of how terrible it was that this cat, who had managed to evade cars for a decade, in his weakened and desperate condition, could not avoid the vehicle strike that sealed his fate. She recalls, As the agency folks and veterinarians relayed these sobering facts to me, tissue boxes were passed around the table, and there wasn't a dry eye in the house. This team cares just as much for this cat as we all do. They did everything they could for P-22 and deserve our gratitude. So if you're Misty out there, you're not alone.
2: I mean, when Chuck Bonham, I've, seen, I've never even seen him get a little emotional, is crying as he makes this announcement. Do you think of any wildlife official across the country that would cry on camera when he's announcing he has to compassionately euthanize a mountain lion? I mean...
1: I saw a reference yesterday in the Times about the city considering P-22 to be Los Angeles's king. I know this morning that you feel you've lost your king, but he's never, ever going to be forgotten. So I would encourage anyone that's listening and when they receive this news, find a way to honor and then rise up in the movement, let's make a difference. So the rest of the large animals out there have a future that's brighter.
0: I asked Beth about that goodbye.
2: I think two things, and it was, uh, it probably was the hardest moment of my life, although I have had to put down so many of my animals when it was time, but, and, you know, he was still P22. Uh, You know, he was in extreme pain, and I, I couldn't look at his body. He was so underweight and but his face was him and his eyes were him. And we did have a few moments of just quietly looking at each other where I, I know he saw me and you know I don't know if he was like, Oh, you're that girl who's been, you know, <laughs> running around with a cutout and you know, selling merchandise to me without giving me a cut, right? I mean <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking, obviously, but um I it was good to have at least a moment of genuine communication with him. And I hope, you know, as a scientist, I don't know if I even believe in this, but I, I hope I was able to channel channel enough love to him and from not just me, but the world, to let him know we, we were sorry and wishing him wherever the next place is, uh, the paradise he didn't have here, a safe world with lots of deer.
0: Miguel couldn't bid his friend farewell in person, but he was able to hang out with him over his lifetime.
1: Unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to do that. And I mean, I, <laughs> I was at his first capture, and so I, I got to meet him then before he became a celebrity. And, <laughs> but and it was just a magical moment to see him in, this, in my neighborhood park. I just cherish those memories. I was able to touch his fur. I still remember how coarse it was. And, how soft his underfur was and how massive his paws are. Another thing I'll never forget. And even those moments where I was out in the field um, collecting camera images of him and then looking back at it, knowing that he was at that camera like just seconds or minutes from when I was there and knowing that he was so likely so close, just, looking at me that whole time. I mean, I know I don't have a relationship. This is a, definitely a one way relationship here, but it's fun to think that he knew what I looked like. I would go and probably some of his favorite canyons, and probably some of those times he was there watching me. And to know that hopefully he may have knew who I was or recognized what I look like is something that is always going to be something that I'll wonder about and, and think about and has left a lasting impression on me.
0: Yeah. Were you ever allowed to like leave him a chicken or anything?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and No, I mean, I, I was able to uh, go on a few checks on his kills on his leftover meals of deer. That was fun to see what he ate. And I remember one time I was at a kill where he killed a deer and then what happens when they do that because there's such huge meals that they have to come and repeat that location, usually about three to five nights in a row until coyotes take it away or he get it doesn't seem like a safe situation, and he abandons it. And so that's another way these mountain lions benefit the ecosystem is they leave a lot of leftovers usually. But anyways, back to this story. Mm-hmm. He uh, killed this deer and when I went down and to look at the deer, there was an owl, a dead owl on top of it. What? So one of those nights where he's going back for seconds, <laughs> There was an owl feeding on it and he ate that owl or killed <laughs> that owl. So those memories are pretty fun, <laughs> incredible. How, think about how stealthy he w- must have been knowing how how aware owls are of their surroundings. Those are the types of memories that I'll remember. And while they're trying to capture them, I remember the smell of that. It's really, <laughs> really strong. Um, so those, those memories won't go away either. And I cherish every photo and video. Like now I'm just trying to, do my best to soak them in and remember them even more. All the photos, all the conversations, the young kids that heard me talk about P22, that weren't considering a career in conservation before, now majoring that in, in that in college because of what I talked to them about, about P22, mm. that they didn't think that they had a connection to nature. They didn't have a role in this field because they lived in LA. And that's how I felt as a little boy. And so that sense of pride in local nature was hard for me to get until I was a biologist. I had this privileged kind of knowledge of, of my surroundings. And and so I think it shouldn't be a privilege. It should be everybody's right. And hopefully that's what our P-22 exhibit tells people now when, when they come to the museum and what this story tells people, that nature is for everybody. And this conservation work needs everybody for it to be successful so that we can not just support wildlife, but also the people that that live amongst them that are also sometimes marginalized, voiceless, persecuted, just like some of these wildlife species. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, as a person of color and as a minority within this field, I take that really personally. And, and that's one aspect of his legacy that I hope continues to be a bridge between this traditionally exclusive field and a lot of people that look like me. And especially now, I mean, his death is very sad, but I mean, as as I process that, I'm, I get, um, it feels like a kick in the butt basically and, and, and some motivation to work even harder on behalf of him and all the other wildlife species that should have been kind of treated better for, for a long time. It's hopefully their time now.
0: So this dodger and ghost cat continues on with a legacy connecting people to wildlife and connecting wildlife to wilderness via an actual corridor.
1: I just feel grateful that I overlapped with that in my life and hopefully contributed to that story in a significant way.
0: One thing I really learned was that grief is just evidence of love and that that love doesn't go away. Lucky to have loved something so much and to keep loving it, you know? Yeah. Thank you for everything you do and, and our hearts are, are with you and I can't wait to, to see you all to honor him after the new year when his celebration of life happens. I'll be there with a hanky. Oh, thank you so, much. <laughs> so ask hardworking people heartfelt questions because their stories are definitely worth sharing. And I'll link to the social media accounts for Beth and Miguel, and of course for P22, whose account will continue to give updates on his upcoming celebration of life. So look for those in the show notes, as well as a link to savelacougars.org, where you can sign up for email updates too. And we'll have more links up on my site at aliward.com slash ologies slash P22. No dashes between the P and the 22. And I'm at Ali Ward on Twitter and Instagram. And we're at ologies on both, as well as starting a little bit to TikTok at Allie underscore ologies. So please say hi there. And thank you to all the patrons who make the show possible at patreon.com slash ologies. You can join for a dollar a month or more. And thank you to everyone getting merch at ologiesmerch.com. And to everyone who leaves a review, I read them all. And I usually read them up top in the intro, but this episode, I just want to get right into it. Um, but thank you, Allie Ward, who left the review. Making all the Alley Ward's proud. As a fellow Alley Ward, they write, "I had to start listening to support the name. I kept listening because this podcast is amazing. It's currently the only podcast I listen to." Signed, Alley Ward. So I, Alley Ward. Thank you, Alley Ward, and to all the other Alley Ward's out there. Hey, we're in this together. Oh, and if you ever do see a mountain lion and you're inspired to go pet its cute little head, don't don't ever do that. Just because we love them does not mean we should approach them, and especially. Avoid mamas with babies, don't even think about it, or ones that are eating. So if you see one coming toward you, you can make yourself bigger and louder. Just get more obnoxious, but back away slowly. Don't crouch down and don't run. You want to give the cougar a way to escape because they're pretty shy. They prefer to flee rather than fight, much like myself. So just keep that in mind. Also, if you ever spotted P22, leave me a comment on TikTok or Instagram please and thanks because I want to hear about it. And also one thing, new information to celebrate is that an uncollared mountain lion male has made it into the area of Coldwater Canyon in Los Angeles, which means he made it over the 405. Will he make it over the 101 to Griffith Park? We'll see. He definitely would if there was a wildlife crossing though um also thank you to aaron talbert for adminning the ologies podcast facebook group with assists from shannon feltis and bonnie dutch thank you emily white from the wordery for making professional transcripts available and kayla patton for bleeping them those are up for free at aliwar.com slash ologies extras kelly dwyer tweaks our website and she can design yours she's linked in the show notes susan hale and noelle Dilworth handle so much ologies business from merch to scheduling to operations thank you both so much mercedes maitland of maitland audio worked long and hard with us to do some amazing editing and I had to take Mind Jam Media's Jarrett Sleeper out of retirement because this was a biggie. Um, I started the interviews on Sunday and then tossed in a bunch of person on the street interviews that we didn't even end up using because it was too cold and no one wanted to talk to me. So was a lot of moving pieces and we've been working late, late nights to get this up. So um, I hope you share it and spread the story of p 22 and remember him with love. And if you stick around to the end of the episode, you know I tell you a secret and this week, the secret is that sometimes P-22 would be observed via camera traps exhibiting marking behavior. And by that, I mean he pissed on the camera. He pissed on it. Which we have yet to see any celebrity due to a TMZ reporter. So another reason why this puma was the greatest of all time. The goat. Okay, happy holidays. Please enjoy your nog of choice and hug everyone except for mountain lions. Goodbye. Good night, sweet prince.